Yeah, we're getting back after it again, and it's happening. Training camp is in. Teams are in. There is pads thudding, helmets hitting, balls in the air. You know why? Because we air it out around here. It's Air It Out Podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes. Find us at InsideTheHashes.com on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Air it out. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It is Kevin Crockett, Christopher Thomas, Avery Collins, Tyler Brando running all the sound. And we've got some sound today, boy. Woo! Because that young man, Dez had something to say about his old team. We're going to get all into that in a second. Speaking of Dez, be really interesting to see if anybody would take him in their fantasy draft. Don't forget, we've got our fantasy draft coming up on September 2nd. The selection show on the 19th, where all that trash talking is going to start. August 19th, we're going to have that for you to check out as well. But we turn to Dez. So his week started, Chris, with... Uh, talking to Cleveland that potentially after Josh Gordon uh, mm-hmm. said that he was going to be taking a leave from the team for a little bit, that Dez could be a potential one-year prove-it contract kind of guy in Cleveland. That then led to Dez uh, talking about his former team, the Dallas Cowboys, a little bit. And I'm going to read you some of the tweets that actually happened. So somebody had said, Stephen Jones is clueless. I'm assuming just a fan here. Uh, we all know the play calling for Dallas has been suspect. Goes into DeMarco Murray and Tony Romo. Dez responds to this tweet and says, he's not clueless. Jerry was the one who was clueless. It's, and then you can imagine what the word actually is, it was a plan to get me out. Ask Travis and my brother, Snake Lee. I mean, Sean Lee. So before, so, so okay. So we have marked our territory, Des Bryant. First thing I'm going to say to you, Chris, then, is what do you think of the fit in Cleveland? And obviously this is all coming out as a reason because Des has, has a little bit of a mouth problem. Knowing that they're a team that's on a rebuild, does Des to Cleveland make a lot of sense right now? Before you go, Chris, let me just interject because I've actually been wanting to talk about this for a while now. I think it doesn't make a good fit. And this is just this is just me being on the outside looking in. And I'm like, okay, they've got their big body receiver and Josh Gordon. They've got their, uh, I guess you would consider him the possession receiver and Jarvis Landry. He's going to eat up a lot of catches. Um, and then they've got their quote-unquote, deep threat guy, and Mr. Coleman, as long as he's healthy and he can, he can you know, play well. And then you got uh, the intermediate with their young tight ends. Um, I think that the fit, for me, like I question where does he fit? Like what part does he fit? It? I mean, I guess you could say, you know, most people are going to say like, you know, red zone because they think he's got, you know, the jump ball ability and everything like that. But we've seen Michael Irvin said it himself, Dez could be great. He could be considered one of the top five best receivers in the league if he was consistent in his route running. He doesn't run his routes crisp every single time, and you can see he takes plays off. So for me, it's not even like he's you know going to be somebody that you're you're going to say, oh, he he's the third down guy. Like what what role does Dez play on the team? Because at this point in his career, I guess you can consider him a big body, go up and get it receiver because he's not creating separation with his route running and he's not creating separation with his speed. So what role does he really play in the offense is just that's the that's the biggest question. So for me, I would have to say it it doesn't seem like it's the right fit. And then as far as like the culture, it's just like I don't know if is Des going to be able to, uh, you know, I guess stay level headed in that culture. Because, like, let's let's be honest. Are the Browns going to be contenders this year? Let's just be honest. Dez wants to win. He, he's tired of losing. So, 
I don't know if you put the mixture of him not knowing his role and then them losing, possibly, like not doing well this season. I don't know if that bodes well for his type of, you know, for his character trait. So I don't think it's a good fit. I think at this point, Dez has to take any offer he could possibly get in order to get in the training camp. I do like the fit because with him, you have four really good wide receivers. You have Josh Gordon coming back completely healthy, trying to get his mind right before the season starts. There was issues with him that he had to miss a few days of training camp to get his mind right because he was dealing with addiction issues. Then you have Jarvis Landry, who was the number one wide receiver for Miami for the past couple of years. Now he's coming over. Corey Coleman. Really good young receiver. Then you add Dez in the mix. And maybe Dez in like some package situations. Maybe inside the red zone with those 50-50 balls with Tyrod Taylor. I like the fit. Four good wide receivers. You have a good, good, good tight end, David Njoku. You have Carlos Hyde. You have Duke Johnson. You have Nick Chubb coming in, rookie from Georgia. Hugh Jackson's got some weapons on offense, so he can put up points on the board. Well, let me ask you this then, because... I think if you ask anybody who, aside from a Cowboys fan who probably thinks that they're going to the Super Bowl every year, if you ask anybody from the outside looking in, the Cowboys themselves are, are not necessarily going through a rebuild, but a remodel. Yeah. And obviously, if you if you start reading some of this, you know that maybe Dez was a problem in the locker room, which we've got Sean Lee's response to that. Uh, but So I'll ask you this. If you're the Cleveland Browns, a team that's obviously going through a culture change, you've got a lot of young players you're right. I think Dez should take whatever the best offer is in front of him, and he probably will get one. But do you think Cleveland, if you're the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, is this the right move for you to make? Yes, from a talent standpoint, does Dez Bryant bring something to your team? Yes. Is he the same Dez Bryant he was before? No. But the reality is the Cowboys, who are also a young quarterback, young running back, young pieces in a defense that's still trying to figure itself out, probably at some point said to themselves, maybe this guy isn't for us. And then... Dez obviously gets upset with his former team, former owner, all that stuff. And according to at Slater NFL, uh, she had the chance to talk with Sean Lee, who was talking to some media who, uh, after Dez had already said he was, quote, Snake Lee, Sean had to share some thoughts of his own. To say that I, I can get anybody off the team and uh, having input on the roster is absurd. Um, second thing, I love Dez and I, and I want the best for him. Um, you know, to be honest, we, we did butt heads because I wanted Dez to be more accountable to this team and his teammates. Um, and to be honest with you, a lot of the team felt that way. Um, I th- think he needs to look at himself and hold himself accountable. That, again, Thank is from you. at Thank Slater you. NFL. Um, so you hear that. Now, first of all, I, <laughs> when you think of anybody that could be drawn into controversy in the NFL, one of the last names I would think to be brought into a situation of drama or anything like this would, would probably be Sean Lee. I think yeah. that's a pretty fair assessment. So. You hear this from Sean, and you understand the player that Dez is. I'll ask you again. If you're the Cleveland Browns, does Dez Bryant really make a whole lot of sense for you right now? For me, the answer is no. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. They've got a young team, a young core. Um, They've got – they're trying to build a culture where chaos is not – think about the history of the Cleveland Browns. Like, let's just – we'll just go with the last 10 years. The history of the Cleveland Browns has been chaos just because they've been losing. Like, it's not chaos as in, you know, just a lot of drama. I mean, other than, you know, the issues that Josh Gordon had off the field. But for the most part, I mean, the organization itself isn't terrible. It's just 
they're terrible at, at drafting. They're terrible at, you know, building players and different things like that. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, they're trying to they're trying to change that tide at this point. I think that that's the reason you bring in a stand up guy like Jarvis Landry. Like I, I love how Jarvis carries himself in the league. He's very, very humble. Um, he's a guy who knows his worth at the same time. Um, and he, he goes out and he just works. He doesn't you know, talk too much. He just goes out and works. Same thing with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is not a, a, a braggadocious quarterback. He's, um, he's, he's not somebody who he, who's just, you know, out doing things that I guess would bring, you know, bad light to an organization. He goes out, he comes in, he works. He, he and he's the same way on the field. Like he comes in, he gets, you know, he doesn't turn the ball over. He, he's, just, he's methodical in how he approaches the game. I think they're trying to change the way Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns are viewed um, you know, in, in, in the light of the fans. So I don't know if bringing in a fiery guy like Dez fits right now. I mean, because like I said, if there's turmoil, if there's strife, if there's any type of adversity, Dez has proven that he can lash out, he can act out. And for me, it's just like, do you really want that right now? And I like Hugh Jackson as a coach. I'm, 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 I might be the only one here, but I don't know if he's the coach for Des Bryant, and I'll just I'll just leave it at that. You gotta you gotta think that um, also the amount of like slack of rope that they also given to Josh Gordon. If they still haven't given up on Josh Gordon yet, then I think taking a chance on what Des could potentially be for that offense with him, with Gordon, with Landry, with Corey Coleman, those running back trio. I don't know. Well, I'll say I'll, I'll say this. I understand the Josh Gordon point, and again, uh, you know, prayers out to Josh Gordon. First of all, respect to Josh Gordon because this is a guy who has had his demons in the past. Yes, and going into training camp has said, "I whether it's anxiety or whatever it is that gets a hold of Josh Gordon, he says I'm starting to see these trigger signs. I need to take a step away." Kudos to him. The, obviously, if they're looking at another wide receiver, they really don't know when Josh is going to be back, which is a shame because if you've seen the videos or pictures of him training this offseason, dude looks like he's ready to run through a wall. So whatever is consuming him to Josh Gordon, kudos to you for seeing those demons, looking him in the eye and being like, I, I got to do what's best for me right now. But, you know, obviously Cleveland is looking at Dez for a reason. Maybe they're not anticipating that Josh Gordon will be back in time. I, I just don't know that this... Makes a whole lot of sense for Cleveland. Again, we talked about Des in the podcast recently, yeah. and we all agreed it was a team like Green Bay or, or for, New England or the 49ers. Or the 49ers. Somebody that's got a little bit and, – and even you and I talked differently that I said, well, maybe the 49ers are, are, are that team that's just young, come up. Culture right now seems to be a big thing in the NFL. And Des needs to go to a culture where he is one in a crowd, not – the one and I feel like if you're an older player a veteran player on a team and you go in that's territory you kind of automatically walk into as a guy and I just don't know that that's really a good fit for the Cleveland Browns yeah I think that's going to happen like anywhere because I think if even if he goes to the 49ers and like Garoppolo has a bad game and like Des Bryant does get targeted enough that's going to be like the center of controversy for all media outlets throughout the week is was this a good fit for him at all for him to go to the 49ers is Des Bryant really holding Jimmy Garoppolo back after what we saw those past five games of last year to 2017? I think he's going to experience that anywhere he goes. I think no matter where he goes, he's not going to be that. He's going to stick out regardless of where he goes. So I think him going to Cleveland, either way he's going to stick out. But what they want from him, if Gordon isn't back or if they're not fully on when like Corey Coleman or Jarvis Landry being those top guys – 
You know, but to your to your Josh Gordon point that I, I was getting at before, yeah, isn't there something a little different when he's homegrown? Yeah, like isn't there something different when people in that building know him and have probably seen signs of him and been like, "This dude could be that dude." He's 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 not just being an idiot with the platform he has. He he can actually be that dude. Versus going out of your way to bring somebody in to meet all these people, brand new to all these people, and bring in a guy like Des Bryant that could ultimately lead to some ramifications? Yeah, well... Let me ask you this. Yeah. Honest conversation. Yeah. If you are the general manager of the Cleveland Browns and you're looking at the situation as it is right now, does 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 Des Bryant, for all purposes, make you a better football team? That's my point. If you're sitting there and thinking about it, in most cases in life, if you've got to sit there and take a double take, the Browns the were 0-16 no. last year, so anything that... Des Bryant could potentially bring like eight touchdowns and like 600 yards. I'll take as a Cleveland Browns general manager from what we're trying to do for a culture watch after going 0-16, I'll take whatever Des can give But me. what is 0-16? I mean, if you, if you were sitting on the cusp of the – if you were 7-9, and nine, you've been sputtering there for a little bit. Okay, I understand going out and getting a player that maybe could take you to that next level and win and get you a couple of those touchdowns and you flip to 9-7 and seven, you're in the playoffs. When you're 0-16, you know that, okay, we have got this – but as bad as it is, we have got a level spot of sand here that we can build up on our own. It, I guess what I'm saying is, if you put Des Bryant in there, Des, having been in the league as long as he has, you'd have him step into a pretty big role immediately, would be an incredible foundational piece for what you have right now is a clean slate. And I just don't know that Des Bryant is the guy that you want to be building up with when you already have a clean slate. I couldn't agree more, but go ahead, Chris. Well, I'll, I'm always a fan of whenever a player, whatever, like a trouble player, like a Des Bryant, and there's always two sides to every story. So maybe a lot of people may think like Des carries trouble where he goes, but maybe there is some validity into maybe what Sean Lee comments about him being a snake. Maybe it has some validation in it. Maybe also some validation is just like maybe Jason Witten isn't this squeaky clean Hall of Fame Dallas Cowboy player that he is. There's always two sides to every story. Very true. Very true. All I know is I, I could see if you're a team that's contending and, and you want him just on his talent, but you have a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, somebody that has that. Who, who has the Cleveland Browns locker room right now? And that's, that's if you bring somebody in that can, there's no clear-cut guy that could take Des Bryant into another room and say, dog, this is my team. Like, shape up or ship out. There's nobody who has that. He can walk into Cleveland and think that he could walk all over everybody, and I just don't think that's the atmosphere for him. But they, the signs uh, point to perhaps having a one-year deal in front of him with Cleveland. We'll see where that goes. Again, I think that's unfortunately because they are really uncertain, and probably rightfully so, about Josh Gordon. But again, kudos to that man for being like, the things that trigger me are triggered, and I need to go and take care of myself. Absolutely. It takes a real man to figure out what your problems are and actually address them. Absolutely. So a uh, lot of teams that are facing problems uh, as training camp just kicks off, unfortunately. Uh, well, I should say maybe fortunately nothing like Josh Gordon, but injuries are already a plenty. The Los Angeles Chargers, man, I think a team that a lot of people thought, especially in what seems like a pretty wide open AFC West, could really maybe be that team yeah. that – Takes a big step forward, took a big step back yesterday when cornerback Jason Verrett tore his Achilles. This is already after Hunter Henry, pretty much right after the offseason started, got his own knee injury and has been out for the season. So uh, the Chargers are the first team, it looks like, in training camp because you're always, not, not to say that you're always looking for it, but you know it's inevitable that at some point some name you know in training camp is going to go down, and unfortunately the Chargers are the first one to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs>
it's 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 really difficult. Uh, maybe on the other side of that, a player coming back from injury. Tweets are already out today from Eagles beat writers and insiders that say Carson Wentz, who didn't go on the PUP list earlier this week, which leads you to probably believe that they're 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 trying to get this guy ready to rock. Part they wanted him in seven on seven drills. They wanted him in individual drills. Actually participated in eleven on eleven today. So you got to think that Carson Wentz isn't too far away from starting. They say that generally this injury takes 9 to 12 months to recover from. Obviously, we've seen guys like Adrian Peterson come back and be monsters after similar injuries. Yep. Uh, but right now, that happened in December, so that towards the middle, end of December. Right now, we're in July. It's the seventh month of, seventh month of the year, so you figure he's seven, seven and a half, eight months back from that injury. Yeah. You know, there's always that thought. I mean, it's, it's a football game, so anything can happen to any player at any time. Yes. You can be healthy your whole career. I mean, Darren Sproles had two very serious injuries on the same play last year and missed the rest of the season. So I guess what I'll ask you, Chris, is right now we're in a situation where obviously we know the Eagles' backup quarterback can sling it a little bit, can be comfortable and get back there and win you some football games, including the biggest game there is in Nick Foles. If you're Doug Peterson, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, is Carson Wentz your quarterback week one against the Falcons? I think it all depends on how Doug Peterson is confident in Carson Wentz. I think he needs to sit down and he's just like, if Carson says he's good to go week one, you play him. Um, Carson Wentz changes the complete identity of this Philadelphia Eagles offense. What he brings, six foot five, two hundred forty, the athletic ability for him to evade pass rushers, something that Nick Foles isn't able to do. Carson Wentz is one of those quarterbacks. He's growing into one of those quarterbacks where opposing defenses are going to be look same way they look at like Tom Brady or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers. One of those quarterbacks that's just like when he's in the game, you always have to watch out for him. I think. With him being in there week one, they haven't. I think they're probably just going to like vanilla the playbook. I think a lot of like zone read runs to JHI, Corey Komet, quick screen plays to Darren Sproles, something that doesn't quick drop backs and quick throws. I think for me, I'm I'm torn. Um, the the reason is because like if he if he's healthy, if Carson Wentz is healthy, that's the guy you want out there for sure, without without question. I mean, he changes the entire atmosphere. Of, of that team, um, of that locker room. I mean, he brings – he's such an electric player and personality that it's going to just give the entire team, the organization, the fans a boost. Like, it, just to see him coming back from the injury fully healthy, you got – like, fresh off a Super Bowl win, and you know he's got a chip on his shoulder because he essentially – part of him wants to have been that guy to have won the Super Bowl and different things like that. Um he feels like he has something to prove. You know, he said he's not he's not going to change his game, so he's going to go out there. He's going to play exactly the same way that he was playing the, at the, the MVP caliber level that he was playing at before he got hurt. But at the same time, I question whether if there's any rust. I question if he's going to be maybe a little shell-shocked. I mean, because it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to have defensive linemen who are not your teammates you know, pat you know, initiating the pass rush, and then you got to think about the way the Falcons kind of tackle. They do that, um, that 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 alligator tackle where they grab and roll, and that could be a situation where you know just one slight tweak of you know his knee. Again, God forbid. I hope nothing happens to him. Only because I'm a huge Carson Wentz fan. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I like the guy Carson Wentz without question. I think he's the next great thing in the NFL. But at the same time, like I said, I mean, you, we, we just got to be honest here. Um, we've seen the situation with Sam Bradford. Like, you, you think he's okay. You think he's good to go. And then he takes a hit, and there it is. Or he doesn't even take a hit. It's, it's a no-contact injury because, it, I mean, it's such a, it's such a sticky situation. But 
Um, so for me, I'm, I'm torn. But if he's fully healthy, if he says that he, he's a go, I'm with Chris. You gotta, you gotta start him. You know, it's interesting because it seems like a lot of people that are in in talking about this debate are saying, well, if he doesn't play in the preseason, then he shouldn't play. Let me remind you of his rookie season when Sam Bradford got traded yeah. right before the season started. Carson Wentz had a rib injury and missed, basically, basically missed the entire preseason as a rookie. Yeah, he played like one quarter. Yeah, so if he can jump in and take over as a rookie and handle it, now granted they play the Browns week one and, and put it up on him when Robert Griffin was the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns that day. Remember, that that might be a fun fact down the line. Who did Carson Wentz go against in his first game? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I think this is a – I think there's more to this than just, you know, wanting to play it safe. Because I think Carson Wentz from the jump has been very adamant that he wants to play week one. And I don't think that this is Carson Wentz's uh, attitude is, is the word I'm looking for. But I don't know that that's, that's the right word. But Carson Wentz has a contract year coming up. Yeah. And Tyler just showed me the word ego. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, Carson Wentz has a contract year coming up. And no matter what kind of person, whether you are a Des Bryant personality or you are a Carson Wentz, Sean Lee kind of personality, there is an ego that comes with playing this game. You want to put your chin strap on, you want to get out there, and you want to do it. It's interesting to know that if at any point Carson could say, hey, look, like, I, like uh, we're going to do this my way, and maybe down the road, you know, because there's talks about how big his contract's going to be. Like, yep. I, I, I want this to be my team right now because I'll tell you what. If Aaron Rodgers' collarbone was still bothering him and he wanted to play week one and he went to the Green Bay Packers and said, I'm playing week one, they're not arguing with that because he is a guy that has a lot of leverage right now. And not that I'm saying that that should be the end-all, be-all in all this, but I think the Eagles in the back of their heads have got to be thinking, like, you got to know Carson felt a certain type of way about that Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. You yeah. know he's thrilled for Nick. He's a genuine guy. He's thrilled for Nick Foles. Happy for him. But somewhere in there, he's there was like... a sour taste in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. There's, I, that's, that's my Super Bowl. I want that. You got to think that he's feeling a little bit about like that about week one, too, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Also, I think it's that if Carson doesn't start week one and then like you get into like later in the schedule where they play the Titans and then you play the the Giants and then the Cowboys, like that rough that rough part of like the mid schedule and he's now just getting back and like trying to get all the timing back right in game. I think that's a just a, I think that's a recipe recipe for disaster. Yeah. But this Eagles team is built differently. They they know how to they know how to accommodate themselves. They have excellent depth. When Jason Peters went down, Hapaluli Vitae stepped in, did a really solid job. Darren Sproles went down. Corey commenced that up. Jordan Hicks went down. Bradham and Kendricks took the bulk of the role. But Carson Wentz is just different. You know, it, it's a completely different team. It's the offense functions completely differently with him. And I don't think Carson wants to miss any time. I don't think it has anything to do with contract. Like you said, it probably has to do with ego. You know, it's really interesting to think about, too, if they don't start him. So the Eagles start against the Falcons yeah. at home. Got to think, a lot of buzz that night. You got you to gotta feel pretty confident that they – it'll be a great game, but you got to feel pretty confident. If, if the Eagles won that game, nobody's going to be like, oh, wow, I really thought the Falcons were going to blow them out of the water. So you got to think the Eagles have a good shot that night. Yeah. They play Tampa Bay. They play Indianapolis early on in the season. So now if Nick Foles starts week one and gets a win. Yeah, and then they play Tampa Bay and gets a win, and they play the Colts and gets a win. And now you're the three and zero Philadelphia Eagles. You're putting your coaching staff in a really difficult spot because you know that Carson Carson's the guy. 
Yeah. Carson is the guy. So now, right. And so now, even for a guy that we keep using the word ego or attitude or whatever it is that we want to say, yeah. Carson, who already feels a certain kind of way, whether he wants to admit it or not, feels a certain type of way. If they get out to a three and oh, four and one, five and two start, and, and, and Nick is rolling, you know that he's really, really going to be feeling a certain kind of way. So I, there is a lot of people who don't think he's going to start week one. I think short of something tragic happening in training camp where he re-injures himself or anything like that. Well, there's if, a setback. Yeah, he is He's there. Whether he plays in the preseason or not, I, I think he's going. What do you think? Oh, I think he's. I think there's no reason why he would miss week one unless there's a major setback. Yeah, I, th- I definitely agree. Um, he's He's there. I think he's the guy to go. So, uh, you know, we're talking about the Eagles. We're talking about the start of that schedule. One of the things that I wanted us to dig into uh, is, especially as you get ready for fantasy football season to kick in, everybody's getting their draft date set up. By the way, we have our selection show on August 19th. We're going to be drafting on September 2nd. Somebody about to get dealt with. We thought that it would be cool to kind of take a look at the schedule as it is right now. Because, obviously, you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles last year. They were 7-9. Seven and, seven and nine. Went to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl. You're always wondering which team's going to take the biggest step up. We were just talking about the L.A. Chargers, who could yeah. be that team, or people who thought that especially could be that team this year. Who's going to take that step back? People are talking about the Cleveland Browns going from 0-16 in the playoffs. Like Strange things happen in the NFL. Teams you think are going to be up or down, teams you think are going to be down or up. So we thought it would be interesting to go ahead and review the schedule right now and take a look at, at a blank slate right now, zeros all across the board in the standings. Which games do we think are going to be most important? And with that being said, what is going to what is the game right now, Chris? As you look at the schedule, that is the game right now that has a lot of implications even before the season starts. Two came in my mind. Um, obviously, the London game in October between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay. nine thirty Eastern time start. I think to me that's going to be a Super Bowl preview game um, with what with what Jacksonville was able to do last year with the amazing defense that they had with Calais Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye, Barry Church, and the rest of those guys, what Leonard Fournette was able to do, especially in late January, where he basically willed them all the way to the AFC title game. And it'll be interesting to see if Blake Bortles is able to take that step up with Marcus Lee, Keelan Cole, um, D.D. Westbrook, and now D.J. Clark. You got Philadelphia, Philadelphia, who to me is the favorite to win the NFC again, so I think it's going to be a Super Bowl preview, probably a low-scoring affair. And um, the second game, week nine in Foxborough, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, too. They, this is the second time in their entire careers that they've played each other. First time it was in, first time it was in Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers got the better of him. It's going to be interesting to see how A-Rod not only comes back from injury, but also goes all the way to Foxborough to take on his counterpart. Think about how many times those two have gone into the playoffs together. And I think everyone, every time Green Bay and New England have been in the playoffs has said, I want that to be the Super Bowl. I yes. want that to be the Super Bowl. And to your point, they've played – this will be their second time. Yes. Twice. Um, you know, you brought up a couple of uh, AFC-NFC crossover matchups. But, I mean, obviously there's divisions to win and wild cards to be had in the AFC. But I just think this NFC just lines up stacked. Yeah. And there are a couple of games that I think have implications for a lot of different reasons. So the first one that, that came to me was uh, – Atlanta at Green Bay, week ooh. 14. Ooh. So you're talking, yeah, both Tyler and Chris, both just, ooh. First of all, implications because they are two teams that you certainly see in the playoff picture. Yes. Uh, now, both of those teams playing in divisions that aren't 
you could make a case for a couple of teams in each of those divisions. Obviously, in the North, you look at Minnesota and Green Bay as probably the top two teams, but a lot of people think the Bears had a lot of nice things this offseason. A lot of people don't want to count out Matt Stafford either. So that division is is tight. So right there, you're already talking about not only your divisional problems, yeah. but you're playing a team that could be sneaking into that second wild card spot with you. So yes. for those two teams in Atlanta and Green Bay, I think could be a very, very important game for the playoff picture. Either one, just to get into the playoffs for yourself if you're battling around a wild card spot, or two, trying to maintain a divisional lead against all those other teams that are nipping at your heels. Because as I'm going to let you know about my Week 17 matchup, the Falcons, the Saints... The Panthers, all locked, loaded, and ready to go, it seems like, for this season. You know, I, I'm not really expecting too much for the, from the Buccaneers. But it brings me to Week 17, where the Panthers are going to be at New Orleans with another game that, that certainly could have its playoff implications because as loaded as this NFC is, probably want to get yourself, obviously you want to get yourself a bye, but even if you just win your division and have to play that wild card round, you're going to want to be at home. And both of those games have implications on both of those situations that are incredibly important because obviously you want to get to the dance. You just want to know you're dancing. But if you can be the Falcons and beat the Packers in Green Bay and all of a sudden set yourself up for an opportunity to host round one and maybe play Green Bay again in your house in the wild card round Mm -hmm. or to keep yourself up at the top of that division, that's important. I mean, the week 17 could come down to Carolina and New Orleans in New Orleans that night, which... Uh, I would assume would be the night game because whenever there's a playoff implication on the line, NBC's going to go ahead and flex that one up right to the big primetime spot. Now there's a guy. There's a guy. So I I do agree that one of the games I am very interested in seeing is a game with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, So my first game would be week eight with um, the Packers-Rams. I think that's going to be a really, really, really entertaining game, man. I I don't see it being... What we expect. I mean, the Rams defense has definitely bolstered up, and there's still issues with Green Bay's defense. Um, I think they'll be better this year, but there's still some some glaring issues on that defense. I so I think it's going to be an actually pretty high scoring game. I think it's going to be something that might kind of dictate how things kind of play out in the NFC. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to see that see that game. Um, and then of course I'm very very excited to see the Falcons versus Eagles uh, week one. I mean that's you got the reigning Super Bowl champs. You got my team playing the reigning Super Bowl champs. Um, it's in Philly. I'm going to try to get tickets. Uh, so, of course, why not? But, uh, you know, absolutely. I-, I think that those are just a couple of games that early on. And, again, I know that the AFC – I don't want to take anything away from the AFC. But I feel like if you ask most people to to right now give you their Super Bowl team, you would you would say New England, Pittsburgh, or Jacksonville would probably be a fair assessment. I don't think you're too threatened by anybody in the AFC West. I don't think, as of right now anyway, but it, it, I think to most people, if they were picking a Super Bowl game right now, one of those three teams is in it. Yeah, uh, I'm still a firm believer of the Chargers. So The I, San Diego Super Chargers, now LA uh, Chargers? Yeah, um, I think they have the best quarterback in their division, the best running back in their division, the best wide receiver. Um, they have a really good defense, Joey Bosa, um, Melvin Ingram, and even with the injury to Jason Verrett, they still have Desmond King, they still have Casey Hayward, and a rookie, a really good rookie safety in Derwin James. I, I th- love Derwin James. Yeah, I, I think he, I think him and Reuben Foster, not Reuben Foster, um, Roquan Smith mm-hmm. are going to battle out for uh, rookie of the year. Well, uh, well, it's interesting that you. I mean, I'm high on the Chargers too. I do think they win the division. Yes, but I, I could honestly see any of those four teams winning it. But you seem pretty confident the Chargers are going to run away with that division. I think they're going to go 
at least ten and six, eleven and five, win win the division by at least two games. Well, okay, so then I'll, I'll challenge you on that because the Raiders won the division two years ago. Have a new head coach. They have Derek Carr, who is presumably, I think, over. I think he might have still been battling a little bit last year. Yeah, some of the injuries that he had at the end of uh, at the end of the sixteen season. Uh, so the Raiders, and obviously Khalil Mack is a defensive MVP type of guy. Uh, Broncos already have a swarming defense and now have a guy that you assume can be the quarterback there. We've seen Case Keenum obviously do it in Minnesota, but they're, you know, ever since, uh, and I mean, you could even argue up until Peyton and Osweiler were going back and forth. Peyton wasn't even necessarily the guy that was going to get you there. You look at Kansas City, who is stacked on offense right now. Who is Patrick Mahomes? I don't know that we know, but I think there's a lot of people that I don't think you get rid of Alex Smith unless you're Andy Reid, a guy who's been around quarterbacks and good quarterbacks and built good quarterbacks in his career. Having been having had Alex Smith as your quarterback, could see Patrick Mahomes every day and let Alex Smith go unless you think you've got a dude that's ready to make some buzz. Yeah. So do you think that that's the division that is is the most runaway? I mean, you sound incredibly confident in the Chargers. Um, I'm not confident in the Raiders at all. I I don't like Jaron Gruden coming back. Um, I think he's been out of the game way too long. Um, I know he's been like a commentator for like Monday Night Football, but I think the difference between commentating and being around the game and actually being in the game, it, it's going to catch up to him. It, it it caught up with Jeff Fisher. It caught up with John Fox, and like none of those old school coaches are around anymore. And not to mention, you brought up Khalil Mack. Gruden and Mack haven't talked ever since John Gruden got there, and Mack is still sitting out with because of contract issues. That deep and that defense without Mack is going to be a lot worse than even with him in Atlanta. Isn't it crazy how I feel like defense, and maybe you agree with this, but if you don't, please let me know, that yeah. defensive players, I mean, you look at Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald could sit out all day. Like It seems like offensive players seem to just be that priority that like, oh my gosh, we need to get these offensive guys back. And defensive players just be like, dog, I'll put my feet up, no matter how good they are. If they're, I mean, we're talking about Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, arguably the two best defensive players in the NFL. Yeah. And there's not, there's not even a whisper right now about either of those guys. Um, so so okay. So I'll ask you this: Who who's going right now? Who's going from the AFC? You think it's the Chargers? Well, the the AFC West or the just... AFC in general? Who's representing the AFC in the Super Bowl? I'm going with Jacksonville. Okay, I'll, I'll put uh, my stamp. Who's your Who's your AFC title game? Smart money never bets against Tom Brady, so it's okay. going to be an AFC title rematch between uh, Jacksonville and uh, New England. But bold prediction: Jacksonville will, Jacksonville will be hosting the AFC title game. As much as it pains me to say this, Chris, I agree. Okay. Uh, I mean, they. Uh, I mean, three quarters last year they had New England in a corner. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, just weren't able to close it out. Yeah. So, always good debating with you, my friend. It is the Inside the Hashes Air It Out podcast, brought to you, of course, by Inside the Hashes. Just mentioned InsideTheHashes.com. So many good things going on there. You know, we do this uh, NFL show. There's a college show you got to check out. We love us some football, so please be sure to go ahead and check out all things football, whatever you need. Actually, our guys were down at IMG Academy earlier this week talking to high school kids that are going to be getting ready to take their game to the next level, so be sure you're checking out those interviews. We are digging into the pigskin, my friends, so make sure that you uh, give us a look, give us a like on all your social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Don't forget our selection show for our fantasy draft, where somebody's going to get hurt, uh, is August 19th, and draft day is, of course, September 2nd. Chris, I'm not even going to Can you turn Chris's mic off? I don't want to even hear him talk trash. He actually did. Thank you, Tyler, for turning his mic off. For Tyler, holding it down here, Tyler Brando, always our producer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, my friend. Christopher Thomas, thank you, thank you, thank you, my friend. For Avery Collins, I am Kevin Crockett. Big shout-out to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting once again for letting us hang out here and do the dang thing with our podcast. It is the Aired Out Podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes. Peace.